This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. All right, we've been talking about living life in the right direction. We said that life is a journey. It's, uh, your life is on a river called time, your time here. And uh, your life is similar to, say, a canoe. And I'm not demeaning your life by saying that we're all, it's kind of like we're a canoe because we're not a big ship because, you know, ultimately you're the one that is in charge of your life under God or whether or not under God. But uh, you've got this canoe and you're going down the river of life. And life is moving. Have you seen that? Have you noticed that, that? You blink your eye, and once you're a little kid, and all of a sudden you're a teenager, and then all of a sudden you're an adult, then all of a sudden you're a parent, then you're a grandparent, then you're, then you're a great-grandparent, and great-great-great-grandparent. See, I'm going and prophesying about myself so that, uh, you know. But time does go by fast, doesn't it? Ed, it seems like yesterday I was dating Denise. Wow, what happened? <laughs> Time goes by so fast, so fast. And before we know it, we've made some choices, we've made some decisions, whether thought, really thinking them through, or whether we just in the spur of the moment on, you know, in a flash of emotion or or desire or fear or pressure or whatever it may be, we make a decision, then we make another one, then we make another one. And before we know it, Time has passed, and the journey, we've gotten further down the river, and we look and we say, this is not even the river I wanted to be on. It's muddy, it's dirty, it's, it's, it stinks, it's, uh, there's sewage going into it, and you're thinking, how in the world did I get in this river? When I started out, it was so clean and pure, and, and I had a dream of just this beautiful river. I would go down in life, and it would have palm trees, or it would have whatever kind of trees you're like, and it would be lush and beautiful, and it would be great, and just kind of, or you could put a pillow back there and just kind of put your, prop your feet up on the little... A seat there in front of you and lay back in the canoe and enjoy the journey. But all of a sudden you're fighting everything and everything seems to be against you and you hate what's going on. You don't really like your life. And the issue is it's not something that happened then. It's something that's been happening over and over again. It's a bunch of thens that create a destiny. And so we've been talking about how to live our life or make sure we're living in the right direction. We're going in the right direction. My canoe is headed down the river that God wants and that I want. Instead of just down any old stream that happens, the canoe happens to take. And so I've been trying to help you in this. And we've talked about, this is the last in our series, it's part five. And we've talked about... uh, uh, several different things, and these are core principles, and I hope that you've been able to hear these messages. We're working very, as soon as we can, we're going to be able to, you can go on iTunes, not right now, but you can go on iTunes and start uh, downloading or listening to all of our messages, and I would encourage you to go back and remind yourself of these things, because the only reason I stand up and do this is to help you. You know, obviously, first, because you know, God's called me to do it, but also I want to help you. And that's why he's called me to do it, to help you. 
So it's not just so we can have a service and have, you know, we need to have a filler. Aren't we supposed to have a, a preaching or teaching or something in the service? No, it's to make a difference in your life and help change your life. So we have been trying to teach you or in teaching you about living your life in the right direction. And so we've talked about the right purpose. Number one, you've got to have the right purpose, and that is your why. Your why. Your why. Why do you make the choices you make? Why do you do the things that you do? Why is your life where it is? The why of your life, we talked about that. And we told you that if you don't get the right purpose, your life will develop a wrong purpose. Because the enemy's gonna make sure of that, and he'll do it through people, sometimes through family through circumstances. As a matter of fact, here's what he'll do. He'll use everything he can. Even use church people. Okay, he'll do whatever he can. Now obviously I'm not talking about you because you're good church people. And you don't become a tool of the enemy to hurt other people, do you? Say no. Right, all right. So we gotta have the right purpose. That's our why. The second thing is, we talked about, in the second week, we said, you've got to have the right passion. That's your wow. That everybody has to have a wow. You say, that's not my personality. It's not about personality. It's a fact of life. You've got to have something that motivates you to get off dead center. You'll never make a move till you're motivated. You know, anybody, how many of you are in sales? Any type of sales? We got, okay, a few people. All right, let me tell you, you know this, and let me tell the rest of them. Okay, you understand in sales, we, you understand that I, years ago I was trained in sales uh, back before, you know, a long time ago. Okay, uh, when I was just uh, starting out. Okay, I was trained in sales, and what they teach you is this, and it is a fact, that people don't make a decision logically. You can sit and, or stand and explain everything to them, and I know all the men that go, yes, I do. No, decisions are not made, especially when it comes to money, logically. We, unless your emotions are engaged, you don't make a decision. You got saved because God, you heard the gospel, but it touched your heart to where your heart engaged with your head. Are you with me? And so, uh, there's always every decision we make. When you buy your house, your car, your clothes, everything, emotion is involved in that. And so all marketers and good salespeople understand that. You've got to engage the heart. If you don't, nothing's going to happen. And so uh, there's always, when we said you've got to have the right passion, you've got to have a wow. You've got to have a wow. This is why I get up in the morning. Wow, this is why I'm gonna do the right thing. Wow, this is why I'm faithful to my mate. Wow, this is why I'm gonna be good on that job. Wow, this is why. See, you've gotta have that wow. Say, I have a wow. Okay, and we talked about that, and we talked how to, about how to develop the right wow, because if you don't, you'll have the wrong wow. And that's, oh, it's sad to have guys or and you know, ladies, you're not immune to this. Uh, pornography, people getting hooked on pornography. I heard about a guy the other day that 
uh, lost his marriage and he because he could not get rid of the addiction to pornography. Pornography is not something you, you may choose to look at it, but then it chooses for you to look at it from then on. You see, because it stirs a well within you. It does. All right? Sin is pleasure for a season. Sin is pleasure. And if you say it's not, you're either lying or you didn't try it the right way. Because yeah. <laughs> anybody that said that wasn't fun is stupid. It was. The only thing is, it's just short-lived. Are you with me? Don't teach your kids. Sin's horrible. No, because they'll go out and taste it and say, tasted pretty good to me. Wow. You know, you got to tell them, okay, yes, it does. It's sugar-coated, but there's a bitter pill in there. Are you with me? Okay. But, uh, you know, you, you, if you don't develop the right wow, the right uh, motivating force in your life, I'm telling you, the wrong wows will come into your life and you'll be driven by passions and impulses and, and wrong motivations that corrupt and destroy and leave you without anything. They leave you broken and destroyed in your soul and probably even in your finances. So don't let the world or the devil or people dictate your wow. Don't let Hollywood dictate your passion, where your passion is. You develop your own passion. And I'm telling you what, there's nothing more passionate than Jesus Christ and God and his plan. I tell you what, when, you get a, when God gets a hold of you and you get a hold of God's plan for your life, all of a sudden, man, there's nothing more exciting in life than that. It's not boring. Okay? Now, the third thing we said is you've got to have the right people. That's your who, the right people, your who. Who are you associating with? Who motivates you? Who influences you? Who is the big, in, uh, who are you running with? And I told you this, if I didn't know you, I, didn't, I wouldn't have to know you. Or if you came and told me all about you. Say if you were wanted to be hired by me, Okay, if you wanted to be hired by me, I'd look at your resume, but you know, you can finagle a resume. You can put all kinds of stuff and make it sound good. You know, one thing I'm going to find out, I'm going to find out who are the influencers in your life. Because if I can find out who influences you, who are your friends, who are your associates, that tells me more about you than a 50-page resume ever will. And if you had the wrong people around you, I don't care how skilled you are, I'm not going to touch you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire you for anything. Not even if you paid me to hire you. Because you're going to bring the wrong things in. See? I know. Because why? Because bad company always corrupts good manners. All right. So, then the last thing we talked about uh, last week is the right principles, the right principles. That is your how. How do you go about life? How do you live your life? How do you, uh, what, 
You know, how do you do things? And we talked about there are principles. We gave you seven, I believe it was, six or seven principles that about that, and we're not exhaustive, but I'm gonna tell you what, if you'll get that and listen to it, if you took notes and you'll remind yourself of those, I would encourage you to put them on your mirror. Listen, I've always done this. I believe in, you know, that if I keep, if I keep feeding myself with something, that's what I'm gonna become. Garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. Are you with me? Okay. And so I would put, Denise could tell you, you know, she would attest to it. I will put on the mirror things that I want to establish in my life. And I'll get up in the morning and, and when, uh, you know, I'm getting ready or anytime I'm looking in that mirror. And I also have them on my phone now. I have, you know, things on my phone that I look at that they're on reminders. So they'll pop up every day and I get refreshed with them, you know, and all that. So I'll have things that are, are principles that I want to establish or habits, lifestyles, or things, disciplines I want to either capture or recapture in my life. So I have to do it because these things don't just happen because you want them. They happen because you go get them. Okay. If you wait for, if you just want something, you're going to get what you don't want. Are you with me? You get nothing because you want it. You get something because you got it. You'll get it later. All right. Today, what are we going to talk about today? We've talked about the right purpose your why, the right passion, your wow, the right people, your who, the right principles, your how. Today, I want to talk to you about the right picture, your you. Our scripture is found in Ephesians 5.15 that is our theme scripture for this whole teaching. And it is this, it says, so be careful how you live. So be careful how you live. Would you say with me, I will be careful how I live. Let's say that. I will be careful how I live. Let's say it again. I will be careful how I live. Do a little favor for me. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes and we're going to say it again. I will be careful how I live. That may be something you want to put up on your mirror. Today, I will be careful how I live. Not as fools, but as those who are wise. The right picture, you're you. Your image of yourself affects everything about you. I'm going to say that again. Your image, now listen, okay, let's back up here a step. I want everybody to reach up here. Listen, we're going to do something. Reach up here. Okay. Do this for me. And you're going to do, I'm going to show you what to do. And you're going to do it after I do it. Watch me. You just took off your religious eyeglasses for a moment. Okay. Because you got, everybody's got religious eyeglasses, whether they're atheist, non-Christian, Christian, whatever. They all got those things. So we take them off. And for just a moment, Let's not filter everything through your religious concepts. Let's just hear some, something, all right? See, I know a lot of Christians say, oh, we don't want to hear about self-image. We got to talk about Jesus' image. Well, let me tell you what. If we don't get the self-image right, Jesus ain't never going to be imaged in you. 
Because you live out your self-image, not the image that Jesus has. All right? Now, we're going to talk about this. The image you have of yourself, it affects everything in your life. It affects how you act, how you react. See, I can, uh, I'm a student of people. I can watch people, and I know what they think about themselves. You can read that. Now, don't get insecure around me. Oh, no, don't please. Because we all have that kind of, you know, women have it a lot more than men. But, uh, and women, you know, they say they have intuition. They're great. They're very sensitive to how people are doing and what they're saying the way they are. They watch, they listen not only to what they're saying, but the heart that's saying it, the emotion that's in it. A man just hears what's said. A woman hears the heart that's saying it. Okay, a woman will watch the mannerisms where a man is thinking about how he's going to answer. Okay, so, but the woman is very into this and understands this. They kind of understand it naturally. And I think it has to do with the nurturing of the children so that they're able to read their children when their children are too little to express things, but also when they get old enough to not tell you what they're feeling. Okay, so our image affects how we act, how we react, how you feel about life. If we were to grade you, if we did a test today and it passed out a little test thing and, and for everybody that, you know, we said everybody fills this out, it's going to get a $20 bill. Okay, I'd probably get most of you to do it. Some of you I know would just say, I ain't doing it because you're just not going to do it. You know, because you don't like anybody even hinting like they're going to tell you something. All right? Because you're very independent, you think. Okay. But most of us would fill it out, you know, and just do it. A lot of us would fill it out just to, for free to just see what they, but if it was about, you know, if we start, if we ask you to grade yourself and on a scale of one to 10, ask different questions about your image of yourself, I dare say a number of you would come back if you were honest and nobody got to look at it, and I looked at them without your name on it, I would find that there's a lot of people that your image is and how you view life is really not the best. Not the best. Your image is going to a great degree and perhaps more than anything else is going to determine how far you go in life. You know, uh, some years ago, they came out with a thing called EQ, and, and a lot of companies now will give that a higher priority or a higher rating or a higher number uh, on its influenceability for who they hire than actually your IQ and your uh, accomplishments. They want to know how you are, how your image is. Because you're going to bring your image into their company, into their business, into that store. And you're going to help dilute and take down and diminish their image or in, you're going to help increase and add value to their image. You remember a while back I told you when we were in this series, I said, you always want to add value. Everything you do, you should think about adding value. And you should connect with people that add value in your life. And that segues right into the next thing that your image does, your self-image. It 
determines who you attract to your life. When I dated Denise, or met her, and we started to date, um, I was actually planning, I was in college and was going to, when I graduated college, uh, going to the University of Alabama, roll tide, okay. But anyway, <clears throat> and for those unlucky ones that like the University of Georgia or Tennessee, well, bless their hearts. And we don't speak of Auburn, but anyway. <clears throat> because I want to get out of here alive. <laughs> but anyway, uh, when Denise and I were dating, when we started dating, when I first started dating her, uh, I was so, I mean, she was obviously very attractive. She weighed, she was about 115 pounds, five foot seven, and uh, she had dark, long, beautiful dark hair down past her, I mean, it, she could sit on her hair when she sat down. And uh, she, I thought, she had dark eyes. She was a knockout. But what really attracted me, because there was a lot of other pretty girls, what really attracted me to Denise, I didn't understand it, but I do now, was Denise had a wonderful self-image. Yet she'd come out of a pretty bad lifestyle. I mean, our home, where there was all types of fussing. There was all It was just horrid. There was poverty. There was, it was all kinds of things against her. Yet she, through it all, had decided to have a very good self-image. And you know what? I dated girls that were in college. I was dating girls in college. And here they were. They'd come out of better opportunities. And yet their self-image was so much poorer. They were insecure. They were fearful. They were, they were directed by what was the popular thing. Of course, you didn't have Facebook and all that back then, but by what they saw their friends do and how they dressed, everything. They didn't have their own life. They were depending on what other people thought. Yet Denise was so herself. She didn't care about all that. She was who she was, and she was very happy with herself. She had a wonderful self-image. I was so drawn to that. Listen to me. The people you draw are because of your image that you have of yourself. You draw around you what your image is of you. All right, now, <clears throat> if you, if anybody in here, wants to truly change their life, if you want to have your life to be different, if you want to make a change in your life, if there's any aspect of your life you want to change, the key is you've got to change your image. You will never change your life until you change your self-image. It's not going to happen. That's really what a pastor is doing is he's recreating a new self-image in his congregation. So they see themselves as God intends them to be, not as their life, their family, their circumstance, and everything else, or the world has made them, or their choices have made them. 
So if you really want to change your life, if you can think of right now, if I ask you, is there anything in your life you want to change? Something you want to change? We won't say your whole life. If there was anything you say, yes, there is something I want to change, then listen to me. If you want to truly change that, you're going to have to change your image. Because until you change your self-image, you've got to change the coordinating part in your self-image before you will ever see it happen in your life. Each of us, I'm sorry, each of us has an internal picture. Each of us. <laughs> Did you get that? Hello? No. Hey, I found something cool now. If you fall asleep, Paul, I'm going to do this. Each of us has an internal picture. It is the lens, the filter through which we view ourselves and our life. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. The wrong picture, the wrong self-image is the birthing chamber for our insecurities and our internal prisons. Let me say that again. The wrong self-image is the birthing chamber for our insecurities and for our internal prisons. The wrong picture enslaves us, but the right picture frees us. You know, when you look in a mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. It's not you if you start talking to that image there, please tell us. I mean, it's one thing to speak to it and say, you're going to have a great day. But if you're waiting for it to respond, let us know. We'll try to get help for you. Because all that is a ref is a reflection. It's not you. It's just a picture of you. It's a reflection of you. You can't get up one morning, look in the mirror and say, how about you going to the work today for me? I need to catch a few more wings. I would, or either I'd really love to go fishing, you know, doesn't work, does it? Cause you know, the guy that's looking at that is the one that's got to go to work. Okay. Have you ever thought of this? Have you ever thought of this? Do you realize that if there was nothing created are nothing on this earth that could reflect your image and understand that a photograph is a mirror reflection. If there was nothing on earth that could, if it was scientifically impossible for anything to reflect your image, do you realize you would never have a clue what you look like? Oh, you could see your hands. You could see what you could see, but you'd never have a clue. You could feel and kind of think, you know, well, there's something sticking out here. And it's, oh, it's got something in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about your mouth, the tongue. Where were you going? All right, do you realize that you would not have a clue about what you look like? When you look in the mirror... Now, let's back up just a moment. What does that tell you about your self-image? You know what it says to me? 
Without a self-image, our self-image is the only clue we have to who we are, to how we think of ourselves, about us. When you get ready to go out, you know what you do? Most of you, some of you, I hope all of you, you look in the mirror and what do you do? You fix how you look. Even guys do that, believe it or not. Now, they don't fix this, you know, they don't have all their uh, construction going on, major construction, you know, like a woman does. Denise, you know, she pulls up all the construction equipment. I mean, it's like, you know, beep, 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 you know, and then it, you know, getting all this stuff there, and it's a major project, you know. Uh, and I understand why Jewish men say, oh, thank God I was born a man. But anyway, our internal picture is the mirror that reflects our image to ourselves. So today we're going to talk about, as we look at this, I want to teach you how you can fix your image of yourself. Now listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. I'd encourage you to write this down. Your image of yourself, everyone's image in this room is a learned image. It's not a real image. You learned it. The only way you have it is you learned it. You weren't born with it. God didn't give it to you. Your mama didn't give it to you one morning in a pill. You learned it. You learned it. What does that tell us? If you can learn something you can learn something new. So we're going to talk about how we can learn a new image. I want to look at two portions of Scripture today. And in these two portions, we're going to see how that we can learn a brand new image. How that we can fix the wrong image and get a new image of ourselves. Now, let me just help you out. You are never too old to have a new image. Abram, who became Abraham, was 90 years old when God began to create a new image in him or began to speak to him. And Abraham, at that time, Abram took the things God was saying I said, God created, and I don't want to give you the wrong interpretation. Because then you think, okay, God do that for me. No, God spoke things to him. Abraham, see, Abraham took the things God said, and with the things God said, Abraham, like if God said, I want you to build a house. Here's the bricks. Here's the cement. Here's the two-by-fours. Here's the shovel, the pick. Here is the hammer, the nails. Here is all the tools you'll need. And, and Abraham says, oh God, every morning, God, oh God, build me a new house. God, God, where are you when I need you? God. And Sarah says, is God going to build that new house? No, I don't guess so. Oh, by faith, yes, God's going to do it. I feel like God's on the verge of doing something. God's about to do something in my house. God's about to build me a house. God's about to do something. 
He'd have died with Sarah nagging him about that new house. And he'd have been glad he died. Why could he not get a new house? Huh? Guess what he's got to do? While the two before, instead of letting the two befores rot out there in the elements, you know what he had to do? What he would have had to do, he would have got, had to pick up the shovel, start digging the footers. He'd have had to start mixing the concrete, carrying it in there. And if he could convince somebody to help him rebuild his house, his self-image, then perhaps he could enlist some people to help him. And it's always good to enlist some people to help you, to tell them, say, listen, if you hear me say something about the old man, the old person, the old way I was, you know, Correct me. Even if you have to slap me. No, don't do that, but help me. But at the end of the day, he was the one that would have had to have done it, right? So let's look at something here. I'm going to give you some ingredients that God gives us. It's not exhaustive. But I'm going to give you some ingredients that if you will use... If you'll be willing to take and make the effort, take the elements, take the ingredients, and begin to rebuild your self-image, you'll become a new person. The person you've been wanting to be. See, here's how we know when the image is wrong, there's someone else we wish we could be. I wish... In one way, you can tell if you need a self-image overhaul, if you look and say, you don't say it, but inside you thought, I wish I'd look like that. I wish I could be, oh goodness. Well, if you're kind of like someone's life, someone's, you know, oh wow. And you know, really, the truth is, we think we're seeing the outward, but we're attracted to something that is like an aura. You can rebuild your own life to where suddenly you think, I wouldn't trade places, places with anybody in the world. I love who I am. I love me. And you know, when you love me, you're able to love others. When I love me, I'm able to love others. Because you can only love others how you love you. If you say, oh no, I love everybody else. I just hate me then don't love me because you're going to be to me like you are to you. In reality, you're believing a lie. Jesus said, you will love others like you love yourself. All right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, guys, if you throw that up there. Verse 16. 
So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Okay? Now what does that tell us about our own self-image? What does it tell us? It tells us that the beginning point of us changing our own self-image and how we view ourselves and how we think about ourselves in our life, the image we have internally about ourselves that we're going to have to stop evaluating ourselves from our own human point of view. Let me help you out here. For instance, we lived in L.A. for a number of years, and we'd go shopping. If you have women in the house, you either go shopping or you pay for shopping. You have that choice. And so in order that I could kind of, to some degree, try to influence how much I was paying for shopping, I would go as a chaperone on the shopping quest. And so we would go out shopping, and there were stores we went in, ladies' stores, that four was the largest size they carry. Now they said, once in a while we get a six. But zero and two was the size that was in. Now ladies, you know how small that is, don't you? As a matter of fact, without the dress, nobody can see you. If you turn sideways on the sidewalk, you become a deadly weapon because people walk into you and they're cut in half. They didn't see you. You're so thin. But why was that the way it was? And that was store after store. And Denise would ask for her size and they'd say, what? Go to Bed Bath & Beyond. They have bed linens there or something, you know. They had, they were so, you know, into, and why was it? Was it impossible for people there, for ladies there to get beyond a six or four? Was it impossible? No. It was because that was what society, human beings were saying The human point of view there is, you must look this way. I was, we were, uh, I stopped it. I had gone to, at the hospital to do something and I was coming back and called Denise. It was late and I I called her on the cell phone and I said, hey babe, do you have, I was over at Cedar sinai And so uh, at that time we didn't live far from there over uh, near 3rd and Fairfax where the farmer's market is and all that. And uh, which is, I don't know, it's a famous landmark there. But anyway, I called her on the phone and I said, uh, listen, I'm sorry, I'm just getting away late. Um, do you have anything for supper? You, you, or do you want me to pick up something? So she said, would you mind picking up something? I've been working all day on, on something and said, okay. So I stopped by California Pizza Kitchen and I went in there and was ordering a pizza, waiting on pizza. And I'm looking around and I called Denise. I said, Denise, I said, I've been abducted. 
think I'm in an alternate universe. I said, because every woman in here, they are identical twins. They all are about a size two. They all have had plastic surgery to where that the end of their eyes meet at the back of their head. And when they smile, it causes their ears to rise up because the smile goes just below their ears. And I said, they all look like they've been in a, a windstorm. And I said, it, I said, pray for me. I went to get a pizza and I got abducted. She laughed and, you know, we chuckled about it. But I thought, I sat there thinking, why in the world are all these women doing this? I mean, I'm talking about, listen, I'm not talking about 50-year-old women that say, you know, well, you know, every barn could use a little remodeling. But uh, I'm talking about 20-year-old girls, 22, 23, that have had facelifts. Where do you find something to lift? I mean, they've had face they all look the same. And I mean, you know, whether they were black or white or Hispanic, you know, now the Asians, they didn't want to do that because they don't want the eyes, you know. So it was all, and I told Denise, it's so funny. But you see, what causes people to do that? We got to look this way. We got to be this way. Thin is how I've got to look this size. You know what? Don't let the human point of view determine how you're going to look. Now, I will agree. We need to keep our health. And when we need to carry around, you shut up. I am, but I'm just, I don't care. I want to lose weight. Not, I mean, I do want to look good for Denise, but I want to lose weight because I need to for health-wise. So, you know, I don't want my numbers elevated because of carrying extra weight. I don't want to shorten my life because of carrying too much weight. There are reasons that justify for you getting, doing things and getting in shape and, and, and shape and shelp. That is a new word. And I'm sure it means something great. But anyway, uh, uh, there, you know, join uh, All Fits Gym with Ray Flex there. Go get a membership and get active and all that. And that's good for your body and it's healthy. And you need to take care of the temple so the temple can serve God. You know, I want to live so I can fulfill the will of God. I don't want my body to wear out before the call wears out. All right? But don't let society dictate everything about you. Set yourself free. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that everyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Now, let me tell you, you need to get into the scriptures that Paul writes, the the books in the Bible that Paul, the apostle, wrote. Because he uses, he has one phrase that is his favorite phrase of all. He uses it, I think, it's 70 plus times he says it. I believe that's correct. And that is, in Christ. In 
Christ. Again and again and again. Paul does not talk about who you are in you. He talks about who you are now in Christ. Who you are in Christ. And I encourage you. If you want to create a new self-image, get in there and, just, and read those. And I wrote, I made a list of all of them when I first got saved and first discovered these things. And I was trying to get over the old person. I didn't want the old Steve raising up his head all the time. And, you know, somebody said he's dead. I said, he sure acts like he's alive a lot. <laughs> and uh, so I, would, I made a list of them and I would read them over and over and say them about myself and say them about myself. And, and every time I acted like the old Steve, I'd say, no, this is who I am. And I would say who I am in Christ. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God. That's good, guys. Okay, so we've got to discover who we are. He's telling us there that anyone who is a believer, anyone who believes in Jesus, anyone who is a Christian, if you're a Christian, you are a new person, and that new person is not someone, it's not a repair of your old person. It's not a remodel of the old The old is taken out and the new is put in. And you don't even know who that new is. And the trouble is your brain and your memory is telling you who you were. And it's reminding you who you were because it still thinks that's who you are. But you've got to tell your brain, your memory, your emotions, your feeling, your psyche. You've got to save your own soul in doing this. You've got to renew your mind to what the word says. Renew means like a, 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 a furniture finish, a refinisher that finds an old piece of furniture. It's got paint and, and, and polyurethane and all this stuff on it. But you know probably under there is a beautiful piece of solid wood. And you can't just, you can't just paint a co- on that a new, suddenly something that makes it look like brand new wood. That doesn't work. That's what a lot of you have tried to do is paint on some Christian stuff onto your life. And you wonder why there's still so much of the old junk. Because you can't paint on top of the old you got to get in there and rub and scrub and work and sweat and toil until you strip away all of the old so suddenly something new that it was initially created to be, I'm talking to somebody, that it was created to be suddenly begins to look, shine forth, and something that you haven't seen. So you thought it was a dark brown, beat up old piece of furniture, but you didn't realize it's a beautiful, wonderful piece of of birch or, or mahogany. It's a beautiful piece of wood. The only way you're gonna find that out is you look in the Bible, Look at the writings of Paul and you'll begin to discover there who you really are. All right, now let's look at Genesis chapter 32. Our second scripture. Genesis 32. And this is a a story of when, you know, there's Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had 
Jacob. All right? And you remember Jacob had 12 sons, didn't he? And they are the 12 tribes of Israel, aren't they? All right? And Jacob, you remember what Jacob means? Anybody remember how, uh, what Jacob did? Does anybody remember something Jacob did with his father? You remember? What did he do? He deceived his father. Isaac was laying in bed and Jacob goes in there and, and he has it. his mother convinces him to, that she wants him to get the birthright uh, rather than his brother Esau. His brother Esau is a, you know, outdoorsman. He hunts, he fishes. Uh, he's like Ben, you know, he lo- he's out there doing all this stuff. He took my daughter and trained her how to hunt deer and she shot a deer. And my wife said, she killed Bambi. <laughs> but Ben's an outdoorsman. He loves all that kind of stuff. And see, Esau was that way. And Abraham was kind of like, you know, he followed his mother around. Nothing wrong with that, but he was, he was you know, tender and all that. I said Abraham, I'm talking about uh, Jacob, was kind of, you know, followed around. And, and he was more of a mama's boy. And, and Esau was a daddy's boy. Yeah. And the mother heard Isaac deciding he was going to give the blessing because it was very important who got the blessing because Isaac and Jacob were twins, you remember. And they, anyway, she, she, he was going to give the blessing to Esau. So Abraham, or Isaac, or the mother convinces Jacob to deceive his dad. And he deceives his father. He lies to his father. And by deception and dishonesty, he got the blessing. Well, when you get something wrong, you're going to always be looking over your shoulder. And so he started, he knew he had to hightail it because Isaac, who was a man, and Isaac didn't carry a man purse with him. I mean, uh, Isaac. Uh, Esau didn't carry a man purse with him. He carried probably, had a knife, probably had, maybe he was carrying a bow and arrow or something or a spear. And he's coming back and he's going to find out about it. And he's coming after Jacob who got what belonged to him the wrong way. And so Jacob hightails it and runs. And you know the story of how he goes through all this, how he uh, works for this man and, and he gets married to these women, you know, the daughters. And, and he is dis- cheated because you reap what you sow. You always do. Well, anyway, he is finally coming back. He's tired. It's been years and years now, and he's ready to come back home. So he's on his way back, but he knows that that Esau is waiting for him. And so they come to a river, and it says, During the night, Jacob got up, sent his two wives, two concubines. Uh, It's kind of like porcupines, but anyway. And 11 sons across the Jabbok River. After they were on the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Isn't it something? See, Jacob had a poor self-image. He had attracted one thing after another because some choices he made and some things he did, and it happened before that, but Jacob had a wrong self-image. And so life responded Everything in life had responded to that image. 
And it was one thing after another. And I'm going to tell you what, here's the thing about a wrong self-image. It will cause you to give up everything you've got. You'll lose it all. You'll lose it all. Because see, when you have the wrong self-image, nothing belongs to you because you're not real. After they were on their side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he struck Jacob's hip and knocked it out of joint at the socket. Then the man said, now, now let's, wait, let's, before I say that, let's look at this. A man came and wrestled with him. We understand the man was an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord. All right? The man came and he wrestled with Jacob until the dawn. They wrestled all night. Yet the angel could not win the wrestling match against Jacob. Now listen to me. Hear me. God has great desires for you. God wants so much for you. God sees you in in an amazing way. If you could only see yourself as God sees you. If you could only see what God desires to do for you, with you, and in you, and through you, and for you. You say, oh, you don't, nah. See, that's that image. That's that image. But here's the problem. See, the angel wrestled with Jacob, but he couldn't win. The angel could not win. And God can't win in you when you are determined to have the wrong self-image. God can't win. If you see yourself as a certain way, no matter what you hear, no matter what happens at Wellsprings or anything else, if you leave Wellsprings seeing yourself the same way you came, listen to me, sweetheart, you'll be the same way. You'll go back in the old ways before a year is up, after you get out of Wellsprings. And all of you, you can come to Christian Life Church or any church. See, we change churches because we're thinking, I gotta get something good. I gotta get something good. No. Because, see, it's because you never, see, you're waiting for the church to do something for you, the preacher to do something for you, God to do something for you. When God says, I give it to you, now get up and do something with it. But you see, when I don't see myself as good enough to even get up and put forth the effort to say, I am blessed, I am good, I am redeemed, I'm not some whore, I'm not some homosexual, I'm not some drunk, I'm not this, I am good now. Yes, I was, but not now. Now, I know some of you, he said that in church, well, it says it in the Bible. If you stay here, I'm going to shake off your religious stuff so I can help you. See, religion is just a coat that protects you from Christ. All right. Let me finish this. So the wrong image, we said, takes everything from your life. Everything good. If you don't change your image, 
What good you do have, you will lose. The second point we get in this, well, let me, let me move on here. I need to read some more. Verse 26, then the man said, let me go for it is dawn. But Jacob panted, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now notice how he blessed him. He was do something for me, do something for me. The angel says, what is your name? We could have said it a different way. Who do you think you are? 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 I'm not worthy of a man loving me. I'm not worthy of the right woman loving me. I'm not worthy of being blessed. I'm not worthy of the goodness of life. Who do you think you are? And he says, listen to what he says. My name is Jacob. And the angel says, and this is the way it is implied. No! No! You do not have a clue. Your name is not Jacob. The word Jacob meant deceiver, liar. In the Hebrew, supplanter, which means dishonest, cheat, Don't hire him. Don't marry him. Don't let him be your best friend. He's crooked. He's no good. You can't trust him. He said, my name is Jacob. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is how I see me. This is my self-image. And he said, no. Your name is Israel, which means prince of God. Get the picture. Liar, cheat, deceiver, dishonest, untrustworthy, prince. Clothed in dark things and everything he's got, everything, even the things he earned, he feels like, well, really, I don't even feel like it's mine because I am a cheater. You see, when you have the wrong self-image, even the things God does in your life, you can't appreciate because you're putting it on the wrong image. You're a prince with God. Now listen to this, for you have prevailed. Let me just wrap this up. When you have the wrong self-image, everything you have, everything you want, everything that's good, you're going to lose it. You'll be left with all the things you don't like, all the things you don't want, all the people you wish you couldn't have, didn't have to be around. That's what you're going to be left with. But that image will never change until you do something. And here's the next point. Only God knows who you really are. Your mama, your brother, your sister, your dad, your friends, your husband, your wife, your kids, they don't really know who you are. And you don't know who you are. God Almighty knows who you are. And this is the final thing. If you're going to change your self-image, you're going to have to go to war. You're going to have to 
get serious about it, and you're going to have to grab a hold of the promises of God, of who God says you are in Christ, and you're going to have to take those things and war against your own self-image and fight it and put it down and, re- and everything it tries to say, you beat it back. No! No! But here's what I want to tell you. If you do that, if you do that, like Jacob, who became Israel, who God named his own nation after. If you will do what I'm telling you, then I want to make a promise to you. Unequivocally. Absolutely. No question. You will prevail. You will win. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.